Welcome to the It Just Takes One Deal podcast. I'm your host, Tori, and I'm here to talk real estate, specifically that first deal. So who better than start off this journey than me, myself, and I talking about my first deal, looking back at it, and kind of just contemplating on how it's affecting me right now and how much of a jump it was in my life. All right. About a single-family house. It was a four-bedroom, two-bath out in Vallejo, California. Two stories, right? So bottom story. So you had to walk up to a to a set of stairs. So you 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 walked into the top floor, and then some interior stairs took you to the bottom. Down there was a you know very ill-placed bathroom. It, it just wasn't functional. The whole space, right? It was something that was chopped up over the years, but it was technically listed as a two-two. Might have been better off listed as a Two one house with a basement that had a bathroom that was unusable. All pink tile, moldy. I mean, you couldn't even, I couldn't even, like, almost literally couldn't even fit in the shower. It was pretty crazy, right? But I guess it worked back in 1940-something when the house was built. So the process was we were going to turn the downstairs, you know, the whole downstairs into a two-one apartment. Well, really, I wanted to split up into two separate units, right? One-one, but funding and, you know, just not having the the know-how and really just the drive to get it done. I just ended up doing one one full unit downstairs. So it was very stressful. It was hard. I, I decided to do the majority of the work myself in the beginning, right? But that's laughable because that completely just stopped uh, pretty soon into it, right? Once it was overwhelming and something that you do after work, trying. And I was knocking down walls, bringing stuff down that it does, wood framing things, trying to make them more usable. And that's just a good note, actually, because it's like, when, when you're doing your first deal or when you're just doing these house hacks in general, does it work? And if it works, it doesn't have to be something pretty. It doesn't have to be, you know, it has to be clean. It has to be hygienic. It has to be up to code. It has to be safe. But, like, little quirky, like, two rooms that are next to each other. You had to walk through one room to get to the next, right? I, I probably didn't have to change that, right? Uh, the bathroom needed to be expanded. I needed to add the kitchen in. I put all new walls up around the ex- existing walls. Uh, just to cover a, a foundation that was jutted out into the room that was even though it was encased in trim. Right? Something I didn't need to do, something that I've seen plenty of times after the fact. All right, but long story short, probably spent, you know, forty, fifty thousand altogether on a thing, but you know, probably didn't need to spend more than ten, fifteen. So bought the house in June, didn't even get the thing finished till February, and then got renters in starting March first. So I mean, it's something if I was just more geared up and I was, you know, planning better, I wouldn't have took so long and I'd been quicker to get to the money uh, by renting it out and I wouldn't have spent as much money and I'd use that money to purchase the next property in one year, right? So anyway, that, those are learning lessons along the way. So a good question is, you know, what made me think that I could invest in real estate? And I guess this is just a pretty simple answer. You know, you listen to enough podcasts and you just hear everyday run-of-the-mill folks say they can do it. And for me, it was, you know, it did seem out of reach listening to the podcast, mainly bigger pockets like most people did. But it wasn't until Brandon Turner came up with the concept or I was introduced to the concept of house hacking on a Bigger Pockets episode by Brandon Turner that I was just like, you know what, this is the one for me. This is the one that makes the most sense. 
you can get in with a low down payment. You can, you know, offset your mortgage while still living there so you still can control the situation. Any 20% down, you can get in with 3.5% down, you can get in with 5% down. You'll be on site. I mean, you're gonna have to pay rent anyway. I think that was the biggest one. It's like you gotta pay rent anyway. You're gonna have living costs anyway. So it wasn't like I gotta live in one place and then, you know, purchase another place and have to, you know, pay for that mortgage perhaps while I'm trying to get it ready if I need rehab and all that. It was like, bam, you buy the house heck, you move in, and then you rent out a portion of it, right? And to me, it just made all the sense in the world. So that was what really just got us going and really got the, the the train rolling if you would i would say that coupled with just the epiphany of you know what the david green team and david green the host of the bigger pockets podcast is in the bay area i'm in the bay area i mean it doesn't get much simpler than that and why wouldn't i take advantage why wouldn't i leverage that and then try to make this work so I think I just emailed them. You know, I got the contact info probably from, you know, a bigger pockets episode or something. I think I just emailed and I kind of started the process like that. You know, they introduced me to a lender, which I used and it worked. I got the deal done using that lender. Shout out to Isaac at Bay Cal Capital out in Castro Valley. And I would say one more piece to that that kind of really got it going for us was Jay Martin. And he used to throw a conference called the SF Bay Summit. So me and my wife went in 2020. It was February, it was actually February 8th, 2020, my wife's birthday. It was right before COVID happened. And it was just like, all right, this is my first time seeing other investors, right? I mean, I was doing the podcast, I was doing the book reading, I was doing the YouTube thing, you know, watching and consuming content. But this is my first time seeing in person in the flesh other investors. So, I mean, you couldn't, you can't help but just walk out hyped, you know what I mean? Because, you know, you see an everyday run-of-the-mill human being, and then you talk to that person, and they got, you know, X amount of properties and doing X amount of things. I don't know, I guess I always just had the notion, like, if somebody else could do something, I could do something. And, and if I can't do something that somebody else can do, you know, what does that say about me, right? So, you know, we just got to push them like that. The SFA Summit. I actually met David Green there, and you know, chopped it up for a second. We'd already been, you know, communicating, and then that was just really sealed the deal for me, man. I was scared as hell, though. I'm not gonna lie. But uh, so ideally for us, we were gonna be living, we we're gonna be purchasing property in Oakland. You know, I had certain areas that I wanted to be in. I wanted to be, you know, in the Laurel District or Fruitvale or you know, certain specific areas. And you know what? Honestly, we came across the freaking perfect deal right off of Fruitvale, right off the Thirty Fifth. It was a it was a house that had a two bedrooms, which you could almost call three bedrooms, even though one was really small, and a bathroom upstairs, and it had two spaces in the lower level and a bathroom. And the whole lower level was just it was gonna take a ton of work to get it done, but I was up for it. You know, the house was five hundred thousand. It was like right at my budget. That's what we got pre-approved for. But just going through the whole process and everything, and you know, we we used the FHA loan. We attempted to use the FHA loan, and you know, the floors were sloping so hard that it was apparent that they had uh, structural issues. So we had to get a structural engineer out, and, and at the end of the day, it had foundation issues, and it just wasn't something I could. I felt that I could handle while still going to work and all that good stuff. 
But looking back at it, I wish I would have just switched to a 5% down and figured out a way because that house would cost 500 and I guarantee you it's worth 800000 right now. You know, at least coming from like, you know, checking Redfin and Zillow, those type of estimate things, you know. But, you know, you live and you learn, man. So I can't beat myself up for missing that opportunity. Because at the end of the day, we still, you know, we still made progress and we still did stuff. So. I'd like to get into why I felt compelled to start investing. So a little bit about, a little background about myself is I'm in the construction industry. I'm a union carpenter. And uh, honestly, the way it kind of came about is when I was an apprentice carpenter, uh, one of the projects that I was working on was for Apple. Um, Apple has tons of buildings all across the South Bay in the San Francisco Bay Area. And I just happened to go to one of them in Cupertino. The building's actually called SC08, and it's a, it was like an eight or nine story building. And I was a part of a working for a subcontractor on a crew that was installing this commercial door and hardware. So if you know about construction, you kind of understand what I was doing. Putting on office fronts and hollow metal doors, coming out the elevator core and stuff like that. But uh, what I noticed is they were building a gym for these guys, for the Apple employees, down on the first floor. And I don't know what about that specifically just kind of blew my mind. It's like, here I am, you know, essentially using the outhouse, <laughs> you know, r running with the wolves, doing construction, and, you know, you kind of know how that life is. And and these guys are showing up to work, and they got a, a gym and all these different amenities. And, you know, the, just the work that we were doing was just some pretty good high-class high work. You know, they're spending some good money. And I was just kind of comparing it to my lifestyle, like, man, here I am, you know, waking up at 3 o'clock, 4 o'clock in the morning, you know, driving an hour or however long it takes to get to work. You know, every day or every couple of days you're going to a different job site, you know, when I was doing that specific type of work I was when I was working with that contractor. And I was just thinking, like, man, these guys really got it going on. You know, I was, uh, I started to become, you know, not content with what I had going on, you know, construction is, you know, a decent gig, don't get me wrong, and I, you know, able, able to pay some bills and kind of get my life going, but it, it was just too late, I, I saw that there was something bigger, so at that point, I just wasn't content, so then at the, from that moment on, I was just always thinking, you know, what could I be doing better than this, and, you know, here it is probably, you know, seven, eight years later from that day, and I'm still in the construction industry, but, you know, the facts still remain. So that's kind of what compelled me. It's like, you no, know, I just wanted a better life. And I wanted more control over my time. You know, I don't think anybody would like waking up at 3 or 4 o'clock in the morning, you know, five, six days a week, week after week, month after month, year after year type of thing. And in the construction industry, you know, it, it's almost like there's always a possibility of being laid off right around the corner. And I was just too aware of that. You know, I couldn't just live in that ignorance like a lot of other guys did. I was just too aware. You know, I got bills. I got no family, per se, to, to fall back on, you know. It's kind of like, you know, we out here getting it out the mud, more or less. So, 
wanted a better life, really. And that's kind of what, how, how it started. It took me years to kind of get to the point where real estate was a thing I was thinking about. But once I did catch that bug in real estate, you know, the rest is almost history. And that's kind of how this, this podcast is going to be structured about how that first deal and getting that first deal done, how that affects the rest of your life, you know, how that influences your mindset, how that influences your perception of yourself, and then how that influences the way you think about the future and what type of future you want to have. My outlook on life and my future prior to investing, I'm not going to say it was bleak, per se, but I got a lot more optimism now. And, I mean, even if, if it was just that, even if it wasn't the money or, you know, the opportunity to retire at a young age and, and all that good stuff, it was, if it was just the, the optimism that it affords me, if it was just that investing would be enough, It's, it's kind of hard to put into words, right? Because, you know, here it is now. It's 2022. I really jumped into the game. We you know we got our first property in June 2020, right in the height of the pandemic. You know, back then it didn't even seem real. Like, it could happen. It was all just like, you know, okay, I'll just do the next step. I'll do the next step. But sort of pessimistically, right? But, you know, now that we're here a couple years later with, three properties over one and a half million dollars worth of real estate I mean shit all I gotta do is just keep the mortgages paid for 30 years and at worst I'll be a 1.5 millionaire that's not accounting for any type of appreciation so you know just that bit of self-respect and and more self-confidence and you know being able knowing that you'll be able to take care of folks you know and then Knowing that your kids will have something that you could pass on to them. Yeah. And that's what I want other people to experience. Like if, if, if you're in a position where investing is in your future and, and you have the option and the possibility to do it, but you're kind of just like sitting on the sidelines and scared, unsure, fear, anxious about it. If I could just get you to see that that it just takes one deal to kind of change everything, then my job will have been done. And that's the that's the point of this podcast is to help enlighten people that it just takes one deal to change basically everything in your life. So why not do it? Why not just just jump into it? And you know, even though we were scared and I was scared to get the first deal done. I just knew that there was something better on the other side of that. So we followed through. Hey, so let's go ahead and get into this deal. This uh, first or first influential deal, the one that kind of highlights the name of this podcast, that it just takes one deal to change stuff for you. So location, like I mentioned in the beginning, Vallejo, California. So 
So for those folks that don't know, think San Francisco Bay Area, the northern part of it. We found the deal on the MLS. Um, you know, we were looking in Oakland before, but just you know, just couldn't make it work, or just didn't think we could make it work with the finances that we had and the capital that we had at the time. So we found this deal right on the MLS, and like I said before, it was the height of COVID when we were doing things. So actually, um, it was been sitting for a couple of weeks with no interest, and the seller's agent told us that straight up. So you know, we decided we we're gonna go ahead and move, but move on it. But prior to that, you know, I, I wasn't. You know, I pulled out of the whole search. I wasn't sure if I was going to be, I wasn't sure if I was going to have a job or not, right? I didn't know, I just, I was just scared, it was, it was COVID, I didn't know what was going on, right? But eventually I was just like, you know what, man, let's go ahead and make this thing happen. I know I got to make it happen, we'll make the smartest move we can, and at the end of the day, we got to pay to live somewhere anyway, we're going to have living expenses anyway, so why not do it? And I think that's the beauty of house hacking is you could always kind of fall back on the idea that man, you're going to have to pay to live anyway. So, all right. We were represented by the David Green team. Uh, more specifically, it was Kyle Ranky at the time. And, you know, we showed Kyle a list of a couple properties we wanted to look at, this one included, that I'm referring to. And we're like, you know, hey, man, maybe we could look at that thing next week. And then Kyle was like, oh, and ain't no next week. If you want to do this thing, if you want to make this happen, you know, we need to be looking at this thing today or tomorrow. So, you know, we blast out there the next day to come and take a look at the ha at the, at the property. And like I said, the property was a 4-2, so a two-bedroom, one bathroom top. And then, uh, you know, what they were calling two bedrooms downstairs and the bathroom downstairs. The bathroom was so small, it couldn't even fit in the shower hardly. The two rooms, I mean, it was just ill-shaped. It was just, you know, built in 1940-something and just cobbled on all those years and kind of put together it's kind of Frankensteinish. it's my best way I can put it um, and then as far as hiccups along the way you know other than just you know really slowing down and not getting because here's the thing in Oakland for 500,000 you're not getting much when we walked into this house listed at 500,000 it had hardwood floors, existing old hardwood floors, but they were stained, so it was looking beautiful. Um, walking into the kitchen, it had a quartz countertop, a new new cabinets. It had a stainless steel dishwasher, stainless steel oven, an old stainless steel fridge, but I mean, it was something to work with. The bathroom had a new vanity with a quartz top, and you know, the walls were all like this beige color. And the ceiling was white, so you know you had the two-tone thing job in. And I was like, "Wow, you, know, you could actually just move straight in upstairs. You don't have to do anything. You know, it appeared that way." And you know the house we were looking at in Oakland for five hundred, man. You even had the damn mirror right from day one, just remodel everything. So you know that really that really got us. But in terms of hiccups, I would have really paid attention a bit closer. I would have noticed things like the doors don't actually close. You can't close them, right? Over the years of settling and all that, and you know things like that, you, know, you couldn't even close the doors. And you know, certain parts of the floors are leaning in, and you know, the, 
the dishwasher ain't hooked up right. All these little things. and Those things eventually kind of wore on me once I moved in. But I, I should have been kind of looking out for that stuff from the beginning. So it was listed at four ninety nine. We went ahead and just offered five hundred, right? Not too much, you know. Not very eventful on the on the negotiation side and all that. I think we got five k back in seller's credit, and you know we were happy with that to get something. And our goal for the property, you know, we didn't necessarily have a clearly defined goal. And it's kind of funny to say, but that's kind of the beauty of house hacking. It's because at the end of the day, you gotta have to live. You're gonna have to live somewhere anyway, so you're gonna have a living expenses anyway. So as long as the mortgage isn't too crazy, then you know you can kind of work with it. And well, I guess you can say we did have a goal, right? So we were renting an apartment for twenty-one hundred dollars, and I was thinking to myself, if I can just pay twenty-one hundred dollars and control an asset, so keep my living expenses the same, and then control the asset, even if it doesn't cash flow. Because there's other, you know, there's other wealth generators in real estate. You know, the tax de tax benefits, depreciation, and you know things like that. So the goal was just to not necessarily increase our living expenses, but so we put in, we put down five percent on a five hundred thousand dollar house. Our mortgage was three thousand fifty three dollars, right? So about a thousand bucks more than we were paying. You know, so that was a challenge right there to kind of to meet our, our sort of ill-defined goal of of living for the same costs and controlling the asset. And then mindset challenges that we face. I mean, I had tons of them. I mean, at the end of the day, I mean, there's something to be said about the fear of success or the fear of failure and, and how that affects what you do day to day. I mean, at the end of the day, here, here's how it works. We got the property in June. We didn't start, I didn't start working on the property until October. So by the June, we didn't, I didn't start working on it until October. And I'm a union carpenter by trade, so I should have a gumption to, to get some construction stuff going. But I'm just so overwhelmed and just, I guess I just needed a perfect idea in my mind until I could figure that out I didn't do anything. And during this whole time, I, I stopped listening to podcasts, something that I enjoy doing. Because I just didn't want a, a constant reminder of what I was not doing on a daily basis. And it really took my wife to kind of kickstart everything in October. Like, she, you know, we had the front yard and the grass was dying. And she just wanted it to look pretty, you know. She wanted to look homey. And so she was out there with some uh, some some of that black fabric putting down. Because she wanted to put some bark out there and such. And, and I just couldn't just watch her do that. And I'm doing nothing. So, I mean... I got, and I had to find some type of way to get in the game and trying to leave. So you know, thank God for my wife for pushing, for pushing the issue, and kind of got this whole thing snowballing. You know, and then once I kind of, kind of got back into it, you know, started listening to the podcast again, the bigger podcast, bigger podcast rookie, Black Real Estate Dialogue, House Hacking Podcast with Andrew Kerr. You know, hearing the stories of people like Mark Jones and DeAndre McDonald, and you know, all, you know, all the people, man, is that's doing what they're doing out there and that's helping um, you know, influence and inspire the next generation of folks coming behind them to get in the game. So, yeah, that's kind of how that happened. So if we buy it in June, I didn't even do 
anything until October, man. That's mindset challenges, man. It's, you know, sometimes you don't know what you're going to have to face, but, you know, eventually, you know, we face them, right? And if I could go back and do anything different, you know, that's a hard question to ask, but perhaps I wouldn't have bought this house in the first place because there was a duplex for $500,000 right around the corner. Same purchase price as this house, but it didn't need a whole new unit built down here. It already had a whole new unit, but, you know, I just had my blinders on so much, I just I just couldn't see that. I couldn't, couldn't see the forest for the trees type of thing. But, you know, there's no need to go back in time because at the end of the day, we still got the job done. And then the outcome of the deal, I'll put it like this. We got the house in June. We didn't get tenants until March. I thought it was gonna be 30 days and we'll be, we'll be going. I didn't get nobody there until March. So that's a considerable amount of time for extra thousand dollars living expenses, plus all the other expenses that have come with this one, right? I mean, now we're paying our own water, our own garbage. You know, upkeep of the house, you know, things like that. Plus, I got a longer commute, right? So, that lack of action really did cost. You know, it really did cost. But the outcome was, you know, we eventually got some tenants, a good, a nice family downstairs. Um, and then I just had the thought that, you know, prices are going crazy in our area. Like, you know, we probably got some equity. Not a lot, you know, it's less than a year, but. Let me try to go down the whole um, rabbit hole of, of seeing if I can get my PMI drop, my, my private mortgage insurance drop. So we went and got an appraisal. And uh, I don't really think, I didn't, in my mind, I hoped it would be worth over 600. Bought it for 500, you know, seven, you know, six, seven months prior. The appraisal came back at 610. So I, I would, I hope that it would come at that at that much but I didn't really believe that it was so it kind of blew me away so my PMI dropped so we went paying $3,053 now we're paying $2,750 mind you we got the tenants downstairs they're paying $19 so we went from having to spend $3,000 a month to live to now we're living for eight dollars $900 a month it just takes one deal right it just takes one deal to change everything just if it was only that right if, if that was it and there was not any tax benefits or anything else that had been enough to change somebody's life to change our life to go from paying three thousand dollars a month for living expenses to eight to nine hundred dollars a month that's a freaking game changer but i had this this equity remember i paid five put down 25 so really you know the, the loan balance is around 470 or so back at 610000 that's our appraisal. So I talked to my lender, and I got hooked up with a lender from the David Green team. Now, this is before they had their own lending company. Um, so shout out to Isaac with Bay Cal Capital. I said, hey, what can I do with this? And he's like, man, you should try and pull a HELOC. I'm like, a HELOC, huh? Okay, so we go through that process. You know, HELOCs take so freaking long, at least at the time when I was doing them. And Thank God, though, that we did it because I swear, a week or two after we started the process, we started here, you know, Wells Fargo, Chase, all these other big players saying they're not dealing with HELOCs no more. It's just, 
he just cut those lines of credit. Just boom, it's over with. But you know, we went through Baycal Capital and their broker, so you know they use some some company I can't even remember what they're called. I think they're called Spring EQ as the uh, HELOC lender. And it took probably two months to for that whole thing to happen. I mean, crickets. I'd be hitting up Isaac, be nothing. Crickets, crickets, crickets. But at the end of the day, we're able to pull a HELOC for sixty-eight thousand dollars. Mind you, we put down twenty-five thousand. Probably put in another twenty-five, thirty thousand. Like I don't have the numbers in front of me. At the end of the day, we pulled out in a form of a HELOC more money than we put into the house. That's the power of real estate. And you could call it luck. You could call it just perfect timing. You could call it a multitude of things. You could even say it's not repeatable. And it may be correct on all those things, but I will say that if I didn't, if we didn't take action, we couldn't have been lucky. We couldn't have had perfect timing. That we just wouldn't have been in that situation. So taking action just, just trumps everything. So $68,000. HELOC. This is less than a year later. You know, so prior to getting this deal in the first place, you know, I didn't even think this was, I could even do this. I didn't even think probably on some psychological level that I was even worthy of all of this. And then to pull that HELOC, it's like, man. Yeah, it is it was a great feeling. It was huge. And we took that money actually and used that as a down payment for a vacation rental in Sevierville, Tennessee for a, a cabin in the woods near the Smoky Mountain National Park that we put on Airbnb and we bought that with, if you know Avery Carl, she's a big time agent and broker. Um, you know, she's always on bigger pockets, etc. Her group is called the Short Term Shop. So we got a cabin out there. We got a cabin, we bought an out of state property in basically a little over a year from our first purchase. And before all of this, I didn't even think I could even actually do all of this. So house hack, increase our equity, drop the PMI, pull the HELOC, buy it, bought a property in another state on the other side of the country. And it all just happened so freaking fast, man. It was beautiful, actually. It was beautiful, honestly. And that's just, that's the power of it, man. It just, it just takes one deal for everything to change. It takes one deal for everything to change. And with this property, this this Airbnb in Sevierville, Tennessee, you know, we can make two, you know, on a yearly basis, it, it averages up to making about 2,000 bucks a month. We'll be happy. And, and that's about what it's showing right now. And as I'm recording this, it's, you know, I just got a little ping from Airbnb, got a booking. Uh, they're just doing one night in March, but it's just funny because now this is my life. Airbnb, real estate meetups, uh, you know, networking with folks, you know, Instagram at T-Money underscore real estate underscore investor. You kind of see some of the progress we're doing. And it's just like, it just took one deal. It just took taking action to make it all happen. So, you know, it's, it's extra huge. So, and that's just what I want folks to understand. So if, you, if you're sitting in a situation where you don't know what to do or if you should do it, if you're scared, et cetera, I just want you to understand, man, it just takes one deal and, and everything can change for you.
your life essentially could change. Because now it's like, you know, at this point we got three properties already. So, you know, all I got to do is just pay off the mortgages, just keep paying them off for 30 years. And I have, you know, if there was no appreciation, you know, a little over one and a half million dollars in that worth and have something to pass on to the kids. So it just takes one deal. I mean, I'm so serious. It just takes one deal to change everything. But but that one deal takes action. It takes kind of believing in yourself and also kind of stepping out into faith and just, you know, you don't got to reinvent the wheel, man. Real estate is as old as old could be, you know. We've been living in caves before. We, we had dwellings to live in. So, you know, it's tried and true. Just make sure you're being smart and don't over leverage yourself. And in terms of, you know, how this deal affects my perception of myself in, in regards to investing or, or any other way, it's, you know, I'm an investor now. And I can say that with no qualms. So when I listen to podcasts, it's not necessarily entertainment anymore. It's, you know, now it's, it's homework, you know, or I'm learning new ideas from other people that I could do with my properties that I already own. And, uh, you know, when you think about the future, man, it's, you know, there's just a lot on the horizon because I'm in the game and we took that action. So if you were to ask me what my plan is going forward, it's, well, I could kind of tell you where we're at right now. So we got the first house hack, then we got the Airbnb, and then we just closed on the second house hack. You know, we're in the middle of kind of getting that one cosmetically ready to move in. It, it needed a lot more work. It was in a more decrepit uh, condition, but the bones are good. You know, doesn't have any leaks, and the str and the foundation is strong. Has solar paid off, and it's five minutes from a, two major hospitals in Vallejo. So that gives us plenty of options. You know, we're kind of looking into the the medium term travel nurse thing, or even just putting it on Airbnb for 30 day stays for travel and medical professionals. And, and, and the beautiful thing about all this is just that we got options. We got options. If I just wanted to go long-term rental on my stuff, I could do that. If I want to get more creative to increase my cash flow, which we will do, we will do that. But, but you can't do any of this thing unless you take some action. And that's why I say it just takes one deal takes one deal to make it all happen for you so this is the part of the podcast the final three questions where we kind of wrap it up so i'm gonna go ahead and get started with them so question one looking back what are two relationships two relationships that i wish i would have had in place or been working and and been focusing on creating you know when i first started all this stuff so what are two relationships that i wish i would have been I would have had in place or I would have, would have been working on. Um, now that's, that's pretty easy. Number one, contractors. You, you need contractors of varying skill sets and varying trades so you can have options. So you got people to call because, you know, a lot of these things, a, a lot of the ideas that we came up with and the direction that we went, you know, I kind of bounce off the contractors or just let them figure it out because that's what, that's what they get paid to do and that's what they want to do. So I would say that. And then a, a mentor of some sort, and it don't got to be a super heavy, you know, a mentor-mentee relationship, but maybe just more just, 
if you got somebody you can that, that has more experience than you that you can kind of just bounce some questions off of. Yeah, kind of utilize that and leverage that because that's gold. That's gold. All right, question two. What is one thing you want the, the person who's never done a deal before to know? Oh, come on. Softball question. That it just takes one deal to change your life. So while you're sitting there being analytical and pessimistic and nervous and scared, just know right over the horizon, right on the other side of that fear, right on the other side of that 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 feeling that you need to push through is a whole nother is a whole nother life. And it's a life full of opportunities and you can do it. And if you got any questions, hit me up, man. I, I don't know a ton, but what I do know I'd be more than happy to share. And then the final question, you know, how much real estate or cash flow is enough for you? I'm going to use the old standard $10,000 a month line because $10,000 a month would put us in a decent position. And, and I caveat that with saying I want $10,000 a month in passive, or in $10,000 a month in cash flow, plus I want to be living for free off one of my house hacks. Hey, so that wraps up this first episode of the It Just Takes One Deal podcast. And, you know, it's kind of similar to that first house hack where, you know, we got the property in June and, you know, it took till March for the thing to kind of get going. It's very similar to this podcast, right? I just, I went to the BPCon 21 in October and that's where I came up with the idea to start a podcast. And actually my first segment on this podcast that you listen to I recorded on October 7th, and then every other segment, um, I'm recording them tonight, uh, February 20th, 2022, and it's about 11 p.m. right now, so, you know, I guess I kind of, I got a way of sitting on things for a little bit, but I'm glad to get this out, and I, I know it's not going to be perfect, but, you know, I just want to share a little bit about my story. There's a lot of different directions, a lot of more deep diving that we can go in, but, this isn't so much about me as it is about the folks that are listening to this and the folks that I'm going to have on that are going to be willing to share their story to inspire and just let people know it just takes one deal and then once you get that thing done I mean, you can call yourself an investor and you can avail yourself to a whole other world of possibilities so hey man that's it I'll catch you on the next one this is Tori with the Just Takes One Deal podcast thank you <laughs>